Welcome back to Freakier Things, where we look at the stories of the afterlife and beyond. My name's Quick, and I'm grateful to share actually four stories for you today. And if you're so inclined, it helps me so much if you like, subscribe, and of course share this video. Story number one is brought to us by Chad. He was hit by a car and had an extraordinary experience, so here it is. Everything seemed to get really quiet and slow, kind of like slow motion, almost like I had time to experience all of the feelings, sounds, and surroundings in less than real time. And it was almost like it was uh, time wasn't there. Hard to explain, like one minute of time took one or two hours to take place. After the quiet, almost too quiet, so without sound like a still night, only quieter. The GMC emblem on the busted plastic grill the chrome but rusted bumper. The windshield of the truck was flat, not like newer rounded windshields. The wipers were mounted from the top, not the bottom. Details like that are endless, even now, 11 years later. Next, the sound of skidding tires, breaking glass, and the loudest bang or explosion I've ever heard. I remember calling out the side of the mangled car for help. No one came for what felt like forever. And the blink of an eye, the medics were there and my brother was there by my side telling me that everything was going to be okay. He was even yelled at because I asked for a cigarette. He lit one and gave it to me, but I had an oxygen mask on. They didn't like that too much. This is where things get a little weird because that really didn't happen, but I remember it happening like it was real. I blacked out. I don't remember being loaded into the ambulance. I have to go by my brother's account of what happened and when the fire department cut the car apart to get me out. The medic cut the seatbelt, which I later found out was acting like a tourniquet. I started bleeding out. I had a right femur fracture. My pelvis was broken in five places. I went into shock and coded twice on the road next to the car. The next thing I remember, I was in the ambulance. Everything was dark, but I could still hear everything. Some things were distance, like the siren. Other things were very clear. Then I could see the inside of the ambulance, like in a three-dimensional circle. I saw a person on the cot. I didn't realize it was me at the time. I had an automatic blood pressure cuff on my right arm. It kept chucking the blood pressure. <laughs> the man yelled, he's going down. I watched the monitor and it read 67 or 35 and then 54 or something. And then the O2 read 23%. Then it got all warm and I realized I was dying. It was me there. All of the horrific pain was gone. I felt better than I ever felt before, like a peaceful deep sleep feels. Disconnected. I felt happy. All of the sounds started to get further and further away. The next series of events happened like what felt like about two or three months, but it was actually 15 minutes. No one came to me or anything like that, but more like a movie of what I wanted in life. The girl I liked at the time was my wife which came true two years later. Kind of like I had complete control of the future. I got to build the perfect life. Then what felt like a ton of bricks fell from the highest building onto my chest like three times in a row, about 10 seconds apart. Everyone tells me that I was in an eight day coma, but I remember waking up and sitting up in the surgery room where they were stitching me up. I said something, but I don't remember what that something was, but the doctor didn't say anything. I heard a voice telling me to lie down and relax, but there was no one there when I woke up eight days later. All of the glow feeling and the painless state was gone. 
I felt the worst that I had ever felt, and at that time mad that I was not in that place anymore. The recovery took almost a year. I still suffer from pain. I feel like I was kept here for a reason of raising my two daughters and helping people through the fire department. This happened like 11 years ago, and I can still remember every detail. You're the first person I ever told the story to, and I hope it doesn't sound too over the top. Thanks for listening. Now, if you believe in near-death experiences or not, I believe that it is still important to listen to what these people have to say. And now on to story number two by Roseanne. It was originally written in German and translated into English by Iris. This is a second-hand report, but it's amazing. Now let's get into it. I worked as the head physician's assistant, and I was responsible for the coordination of the therapeutic procedures. Despite our staff being composed of a significant amount of members, the pressure was enormous. Many patients arrived there in a rather poor condition and needed intensive medical care. I lived in an apartment in a small house in town, which was provided by the hospital I worked in. One evening after work, I sat at my desk and wrote a long letter to my mother, which was written in Spanish, this being my mother's tongue. I told her about the pressure at work and the state of mind I was in regarding living in a foreign country. I also described the unique landscape I lived at. The day after, I did the ward round with the head physician. I had to accompany him to all different units because of my responsibilities for the coordination procedure. At each unit, we were joined by the ward physicians and the head nurses. Thus, we went from bed to bed, from room to room, as usual. In one of the rooms, there was a lady whose name I can't remember anymore, as 30 years have passed since then. She suffered from a disease of her lungs, liver, and bones. Only the head physician put questions to her as usual. I did not talk to her. I had not talked to her much since her arrival. We were just reading the reports on the laboratory values when she suddenly turned towards me and said, The letter you wrote to your mother yesterday, it was beautiful. At first I didn't understand what she was talking about. Then I recalled the letter. All the people who were present witnessed her words as well and looked at me in surprise. I was very embarrassed because of this remark because maybe the doctors and nurses thought I was showing around my private letters to the patients. I asked her what she meant by this, and she replied, Well, the letter you wrote to your mother yesterday. I asked her how she could have known about this, and she responded that she just knew. I did not continue that conversation in front of other people in the room and told her that I would come back after the ward round. Afterwards, a colleague asked me what she talked about. I didn't have an answer, so I just said, I, I don't know. About two hours later after the ward round, I asked her what she meant by referring to this letter. She responded she sensed from what I had written how much I liked my mother, and she described me in detail what I had written. I insisted the question on how she knew about all this, and she told me that she watched me from above, from the ceiling. I had written the letter from a desk and worn a green bathrobe. I wanted to know if she could speak Spanish. She said that she did not speak Spanish but she again accurately described what I had written. She described my pen, how everything was arranged at my desk, the writing pad, which all exactly matched how it really was. She even described the Roman style in my chair. I asked quite desperately, how can this be possible? I do not know. I've never experienced anything like that, she answered. I could not find an explanation and finished the conversation. She died three days later. I don't know why she picked me. We had only exchanged a few words before. Maybe she built an emotional relationship. Uh, 
maybe that's possible. Concerning myself, this was not the case. At least not before the conversation. She was just a patient, among others. It's unusual in hospitals here to allow for close relationships to the patients. It just might be too distracting. I've reflected on this event, but since one year ago, I had not talked about it to anybody. I had other strange experiences with terminally ill people. I could not follow up on them because I was so involved with oncology, which entirely filled my life in this period. The experience I have described here is the most impressive one I've ever had. Now, number three is brought to us by Jacqueline, originally in Spanish, translated to English by Eva. Thank you, Eva. Now, let's get into it. It was Friday, 2nd of March, 2007 at 2 p.m. I asked my husband to take me to the emergency room because I felt my chest was very congested and I needed to eject whatever I felt was stunting my chest, which did not let me breathe deeply. I also told my husband and my 18-year-old daughter that I only wanted them to look at me in the emergency room so maybe they'll give me an antibiotic and then I can return home in time to pick up my other two daughters who are about to leave school. I told my eldest 18-year-old daughter to take very good care of my one-year-old son and that I wouldn't be late. Additionally, I took my cell phone to keep her informed. I arrived at the hospital, but my husband had to go and take care of some stuff, so I was left all alone. I passed into the room where they ask you questions and where they perform blood pressure exams and all the basics. Immediately, they passed me to the back of the emergency room without having to wait which provided me with much relief. I said, wow, I'd like it to always be like this when someone goes to the emergency room. Well, they sat me down on a chair in a hallway as they were waiting for an empty stretcher. I was there for about 15 minutes maximum when all of a sudden I started to feel a bit dizzy and I started to hear voices from far, far away. I put my arms behind the nape of my neck to open my lungs so I could breathe more easily since I suffered from asthma and that helped a bit. It didn't work right away. I got up from the chair. At that moment, a nurse was passing by. I threw myself on her and fainted. Later, when I opened my eyes, I was in bed. I had already responded, and they told me not to worry. That soon a technician would arrive to give me a treatment to help me breathe better. During the interval, a nurse by the name of Linda gave the order to another nurse that she would give me an IV just in case. At that point, the respiratory technician arrived, and he gave me like a vapor-like drug to inhale by mouth. Later he left, and at that precise moment when I finished inhaling, my body and all my extremities started to shake as if I was having convulsions. Very strong, very quickly. A nurse named Linda read my vitals, and they placed a lot of wires on me, on my chest too. And I quickly saw her dial the phone, and she told the doctor, Come immediately. It looks real bad. I continued trembling, and my blood pressure went up to 160, and the same nurse immediately for the second time, redialed the doctor who was on another floor and said, Come immediately. She is very grave. Bring your rear down here immediately. I'm not joking. At that, the doctor came in, stepped to my left, and looked at me. We made eye contact, and he asked me, How do you feel, Sonora? I answered by pointing at my neck, making signs. I couldn't breathe. At this point, he turned to the monitor and said, 178. At the same time, I turned my head to see... And the doctor lets out a huge cry. She's leaving us. She's having cardiac arrest. He opened my stretcher so I could lie down all the way. The stretcher was slightly inclined. He put his hands behind the nape of my neck and his other hand under my jaw. And then he started to put an iron metal in my mouth. But it wouldn't go in. And I thought to myself, this can't be for real. The doctor resumed yelling. She's having a spasm. I, I can't put the tube in. 
At that precise moment, I felt something super hot all over my body, from my head to my toes, all at the same time. It felt like somebody pulled me from my hands and my feet from opposite directions, and they, they shot my body as if it had burst. I said, my mother, help me. She had already died in 1991, and I felt a hot beam in my right ear, which dislodged from me, or rather, that it exited my body, and I saw a second of darkness. When I opened my eyes, I saw my mother on the ceiling of the room where my body was. I could only see her from her waist to her head, which didn't surprise me, and neither was I afraid. I said to my mother, wait for me, mama. Let me tell them that I'm okay. I can breathe. Nothing hurts. She didn't answer me. She was very serious, and she only looked into my eyes with great sadness while I was feeling such relief. Peace and happiness and many beautiful things all at the same time. I looked down and I saw the doctor and nurses who were moving away from me, all minus the doctor and the nurse Linda, and the doctor kept yelling at everybody and hitting me. He gave me three electric shocks. I didn't understand why he was so annoyed and agitated in such a manner, and I kept observing from above. I did not, for one moment, see my body. I only knew and I felt that I was floating on the ceiling in the company of my mother. She was so serious while I kept observing. Suddenly, all the nurses left my side and left the doctor and the nurse Linda at my side. And being apart from my body, and also kind of connected to my body, I felt something hot through my veins. My body felt a pull, which made me sit. I grabbed the nurse Linda with my right hand towards my chest and I told her, Don't leave me. After that, I don't know anything until midday. Monday, when they removed the tube from my mouth, the doctor was in intensive care inclined holding my hand and crying and i awakened and turned my head to see who it was and said why are you such a grouch and a screamer don't be such a yell why were you yelling at all those nurses and at linda and me too i saw and heard everything from the ceiling he said it's that you gave us such a great fright i didn't know what to do and you're so young and your baby and your girls and your husband what was i going to say to them Aside from that, it was the first time I resuscitated someone, and it was also my first time intubating him. So you didn't give me time to ask another doctor for more help to intubate you. I had to act as time was passing, and you didn't want to come back. I answered, wow, if you only knew how lovely it was to be there with my mama. Well, I didn't feel pain or anything, but yes, it scared me very much, not being able to breathe. Later, I felt a relief, and nothing hurt. It was a peace and an immense love that I felt in my heart and soul. And even though the time I couldn't breathe, which was horrible, after that was the most marvelous experience I've ever felt in my life. Before I was scared to death, and now I don't feel the same. I give an infinity of thanksgiving to God for placing you and Linda as my angels who fought and fought even when it looked like there was no hope. The doctor told me that he had spoken with my whole family. He told them that they'd battled anew to try to bring me back, but that it was now in the hands of God, that they didn't know if I would live or die. He couldn't guarantee which state I'd be, since so much time has passed when my brain was without oxygen. I asked the doctor what he did, because I was in so much pain. I had bruises on my arms and chest. I could hardly speak, and he said, That's a small concern. You are here. That's the most important thing, as it's logical you can hardly speak, as the intubation was super difficult. I asked him, Well, what else did you do to me? And he answered, well, I gave you a shock three times and you didn't want to come back until we injected lidocaine into the IV. It was only then that your heart started to beat a bit. We tried to maintain you like that with oxygen. Well, your heart was only functioning at 10% and 
and it had to be an average of 55 to 70 percent so there was no probability that you'd survive and and look at you here i said well god sent me back this is story number four i hope you enjoy on 42901 i was slated to receive a pacemaker for reasons of health to do this procedure it is necessary to stop the patient's heart and see if the individual really needs the device. My heart was stopped, and I had no response to the doctor's attempts to restart my heart. CPR was immediately started. I was shocked with two sets of defibrillator paddles, a total of 720 joules per attempt. The total attempts to restart were 15. I was pronounced dead, and the room was cleared. I had been dead for over 30 minutes by this time. During this time, I recall arriving in a beautiful, completely strange world. Not through a tunnel or a light, I was just there. I remember thinking to myself, well, what do I do now? Where am I at? Am I dreaming? I recall blinking my eyes several times, and it all appeared real. The colors were vibrant and indescribable. As I stood there, I was standing in a field of knee-high grass, and standing on a knoll was my father and mother, both deceased. At this time, I remember being delighted at the sight of them. I proceeded to climb the knoll. My father turned to me at this time and spoke, without moving his lips, and, and told me to go back. I stopped and looked at my parents and asked him, what did he say? And he repeated in a stern voice, go back. And then I asked him why. And he said, you have to go back because it's not your time yet. I asked him, how do I do that? And he told me, just go down the hill. So I did. The next thing I recall is hearing a voice say, hey, he's got an eye open. At that point, I had been dead between 30 and 45 minutes. I tried to get up and was forced down and I passed out. I woke up in intensive care after I was just aware of what happened to me. I realized my mother and father were dead and I had talked to them. I also had a strange ringing in my ears during the trip to the other side and it wasn't until watching a medical show with a heart monitor emitting a constant ring that I realized just what that was. Long story short, Everyone was amazed that I wasn't brain dead, which to this day I truly don't understand. So what did you think of these near-death experiences? Are they all in their imaginations? Or is there something more to it? Let me know in the comment section below. And since you made it this far in the video, I want you to do me a favor. In the comment section, just put a number. Which story was your favorite? Was it one, two, three, or number four? As always, Live long and live strong. Thanks for listening.